Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. This is Ion Foxborough, the premier podcast for all things New England Patriots. Brought to you by Mass Live. Welcome back to Ion Foxborough. I'm Chris Mason here with Mark Daniels. We are at Gillette Stadium where it is still raining and the Patriots were abysmal yet again. They are on a historically bad run now and they were shut out by the Chargers 6 nothing at home. Mark, what do you make of this thing? Welcome to the 1930s, guys, where teams win by soccer scores, essentially. Um, Chris isn't putting it lightly. It's not hyperbole. The Patriots are historically bad and I really want to dive into how historically bad they have gotten under Bill Belichick, who we can get into later, I think is the architect of destruction here. It's, he's the reason why things have gone bad. But let's talk about it real quick. The Patriots have lost three straight games where they their defense has allowed 10 or less points. That is the first time that's happened to a team in a season since the Chicago Cardinals 85 years ago in 1938. Not the company you want to keep, Chris. Who could forget that Cardinals team, though? But guess what? It gets worse. This season, the Patriots have scored 10 or fewer points Five times, right? So five times they've scored 10 or fewer points and they still have five games to go. In Patriots franchise history, that's only happened more eight times. So the eight teams that are worse than 2023 Patriots, you guys ready? 1990, 1970, 1991, 1992, 65, 71, and 1993. So there's only eight teams in Patriots franchise history that have scored 10 or fewer points more times than this squad. Not great company, but guess what, guys? It actually gets worse. Sunday's loss marked the second shutout for the Patriots this season. In Patriots franchise history, that's actually happened four times. Four. The 2023 Patriots joined 1972, 1970, and 1960. And there's one team in Patriots franchise history that have been shut out more than twice. It's the 1992 Patriots that were shut out three times. And again, Patriots have five more games to go to catch them, so... Who knows? We are we are on historically bad levels, guys. It is um it's bad, Chris. I think that pretty much sums it up. That is a nice summary. Um, yeah, this team stinks. We've kind of been telling you that all season since this has been happening, but to hear some of those numbers is jarring. The offense is just such a mess. And you know, Bailey Zappi gets the start, which I think we were all on board with. You know, it was like Mac just looks so broken that it makes sense to sit him down and give Bailey a chance. Bailey wasn't any better. This is like also how we build Bailey all summer, you know, like he like since training camp, he hasn't been good. He got cut in camp and he did not set foot in the red zone today. 
against the 32 ranked. They the Chargers came in ranked 32nd in total defense. That is bad. dead last. Is that bad? Oh, that's dead last. That oh, is dead last. 30 32nd. And they didn't even get in the red zone against them. Here's the truth about Bailey Zappi. He's not better than Mac Jones. He's more confident than Mac Jones. He hasn't lost his head like Mac Jones. And that's the only reason why he's starting. Mac Jones has proven time and time again. And it's why he started against the Giants that he's a better player than Bailey Zappi. Bailey Zappi just, you know, Chris, it's one of those interesting things to me is that Bailey Zappi is worse than he was a year ago. Certainly is Mac Jones is as well. But under this, this Belichick watch here, he has two young quarterbacks who are seemingly taking steps backward. And I and I think that's part of the problem. Now, I'm not going to fault the quarterbacks. I, I think ultimately I, I'm going to sit here and go, my point number one on the offense being bad, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to put the offensive line, and I have some another stat for you guys. So Bailey Zappi was sacked five times today. That puts the Patriots up to 30 sacks this season. That's not great. Put it in put it in perspective. In 2021, in 17 games, the Patriots allowed 28 sacks. In Tom Brady's final two seasons, 18 and 19, they allowed 21 and 28 sacks. They're they're not good, but sacks are also kind of a quarterback stat to some degree too. Where, oh, like part of the reason why Brady's not getting sacked is because he just gets rid of the ball all the time. And what you saw is Bailey was holding the ball for a while today, but he also there could have been a couple more sacks where the pocket was collapsing and he weaseled his way out of there. So. The offensive line was pretty bad, but they they also did run the ball well today. I don't know. It's they're just such a mess that I don't even know like where to begin. You look at the offense and losing Ramondre Stevenson definitely doesn't help either. It's like oh okay now your one good player is not out or it's not going to be out there for the rest of the game well, after was, like the second drive. That was the beginning of the end because Zeke Elliott honestly wasn't very good. He averaged three point one yards per carry today. He had seventeen carries, fifty two yards. Now. Ramondre Stevenson left with an ankle sprain. To me, it looked like a high ankle sprain, but I am yeah. not—I am not a doctor, even though my initials are MD. I'm going to point that out here. But Ramondre Stevenson played two drives before suffering the injury and fumbling. He rushed the ball nine times for 39 yards. So think about this: two drives. Ramondre Stevenson had 39 yards in the first half. Bailey Zappi threw for 39 yards. Ouch, Chris. Yeah, that's not great. And there's just like so many of the things that we've seen we're just seeing over and over again like Taiwan Thornton shaking wide open for a deep ball and just letting it hit off his hands because he inexplicably decided to dive for that instead of just running through the route you know at a certain point these are personnel issues and the personnel is not getting better well and and that's why for me the number one the number one person to blame I think the blame pie for me is really easy it's it's Bill Belichick the way he built this offense the way he built the offensive line the way he built the weapons it doesn't work. And truthfully, the offense hasn't really worked in a while. We Tom Brady, his his final two years here, guys, he was actually pretty frustrated. Tom Brady had some issues with that last Patriots offense that actually won a Super Bowl. But if you all remember, they won a Super Bowl with the lowest, lowest scoring output in offensive history. Now, the Patriots knew there was an issue with the weapons around Brady. So the next year, they went out and drafted Nikhil Harry with the first round pick. They gave $10 million to Antonio Brown. They signed to Mario Thomas. They brought in Josh Gordon. Yep. And then they traded a second round pick from Mohamed Sanu. It wasn't that they didn't try they just failed to adequately surround Brady with top tier talent so by the time he was done in 2019 he was so pissed off that he went somewhere that actually had good offensive players and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin in Tampa Bay and I I think it's been just 
a huge failure on Bill Belichick's part to really get with the times here. You know, the Patriots leading receiver over the last three years, the guy we've talked a lot about, Jacoby Myers. But the truth is Jacoby Myers, Chris, wasn't a number one receiver. You know, they, they've never really replaced like Julian Edelman and, and Rob Gronkowski. And, and I think that really sort of speaks to Bill Belichick being stuck in his ways. You can call him the greatest defensive minded head coach in NFL history. But at a certain point, especially when you lose the greatest quarterback of all time, Chris, you need to get elite weapons. Yeah. And a lot of like a lot of his approach in trying to get some of those weapons feels kind of like flex sealing things where it's like, oh, OK, you like took a flyer on Antonio Brown and, you know, brought Josh Gordon in and traded a second for Muhammad Sanu. Like you said, like a lot of these things are like, OK, you, you don't really like have a plan. But the evaluation in the draft is just terrible, too, where it's like. Nikhil Harry and Tyquan Thornton are the two like most recent early round picks they've taken at wideout. And they just, it's almost like Nikhil didn't work to the point where they tried to take the exact opposite player in Tyquan. And he also doesn't work where the evaluation just isn't there. I think the frustrating part for me with that stuff is that like an armchair GM is someone who looks at like the Mel Kuyper draft rankings and is like, Hey, you should draft this guy. The problem is the Patriots aren't doing that. And Mel Kuyper rankings are have been right. So like with Nikhil Harry, it's the most famous story, right? You had AJ Brown, Debo Samuel, Terry McLaurin, Deontay Johnson, DK Metcalf, stacked, just a stacked receiver class. You miss on all of them. And then with Taekwon, you trade it up over two players. One is a glaring miss. It's George Pickens. Now, George Pickens had some maturity issues in college, which is probably why the Patriots didn't pick him. The other guy was actually the someone that, uh, yes, were... that the Patriots who famously will not take yeah. red flag players in the draft. Right. And then you had Alec Pierce, who has actually been decent for the Colts. But Chris is right. If you if they did pass on George Pickens because of maturity issues, um, I don't understand why they then drafted Jack Jones in the fourth round. So that's not make sense. Huge, huge misses. And, and also so, you know, we, I think we got to scream about it again. Like letting go of Jacoby Myers and bringing in Juju Smith-Schuster has been just an abject failure. Chris, at this point, it's an it's an utter embarrassment what Juju is not able to do. I, I believe I saw he yeah. caught one pass for one, 11 yards yep, today. One, one pass for 11 yards, just like uh, Jalen Rager had the exact same stat line, who is, you know, the guy you plucked off a practice squad from somewhere. So, yeah, he has he has 25 catches this season. Juju Smith-Schuster, who's your highest paid receiver the the offense, I mean, the offense has been hurt by the loss of Kendrick Bourne and, and Demario Douglas and and Ramondre Stevenson. And you all can argue that if they had those players, they they win. And maybe you know what? Maybe they do. But that's that's not the reality we live in. We live in a reality where the Patriots are somehow two and ten. Bill Belichick for now still has his job. And Chris, I I do wonder if if this is I want I wonder one if we ever hear from Robert Kraft um this season. I don't think we do. And two. Do you think if these losses keep piling up, like does Kraft just ultimately fire him? I, I honestly thought it would have like the end of the season would have been like a mutual parting of the ways. But I, I kind of wonder with the way it's going, 10 losses already, if, if it's an actually just a, an outright firing. I think it's still going to be a mutual parting of ways, even though it like it probably will essentially be a firing. That's just billed as a mutual parting of ways because the crafts care about the optics of this stuff so much. But I, I don't think Robert's going to talk um, at all this season. I think he would have already if he was going to, you know, like the same stuff keeps playing out. The team still isn't very good. Yada, 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 where I, I think he's just going to stay quiet and make a move in the offseason. Um, I'm, I'm sure he's incredibly frustrated. I mean, as he's sitting in his suite, looking around this half full stadium and his team can't score any points and they just don't look like a 21st century football team. So I, I'm sure he's frustrated, but I, I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna talk publicly. 
I don't think he's going to talk publicly either. And the Patriots are in just this really interesting spot and a point that I think me, you, Chris, a lot, people who are listening, we haven't seen a team like this from the Patriots since the early nineties. I would say it, this is, this is the pre drew Bloodsaw era where yeah. I think you're, you're ultimately hoping for losses. Like, the Arizona Cardinals won today. They beat what the Pittsburgh Steelers that yep, moves the in Patriots Pittsburgh. into number two in the NFL draft, which is great. That would put them in position to grab an obvious quarterback, you know, Drake May or, or Caleb Williams, and then there you go. You're you're sort of off and running. But there's a lot at stake here, Chris, through the remaining five games. And and here's the truth: is that the Patriots probably aren't going to lose all five games. I I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, they might face the Steelers next week on a Thursday game with Mitchell Trubisky and then they're probably going to face like Trevor Simeon or Tim Boyle in the final game so you probably have a couple wins in there but the scary thing to me Chris is like how these wins and how this coach who clearly doesn't want to lose Bill Belichick could actually negatively impact your draft stock and how the long-term ramifications here really could add up yeah the Jets game in week 18 is going to be a giant boogeyman for that where you know it's it's Bill and the Jets, you know, he's he's not going to lose against them, especially if it's like Tim Boyle or someone like that. Um, and that game's in Foxborough like that could ruin their draft pick. And I don't think Bill's going to care about the draft pick at all because I don't think he's going to be here next year. And I don't think he thinks he's going to be either. So that is absolutely a storyline to keep an eye on where uh, they're they're in a good spot with it right now. But I, I don't know if they end up at number two when all is said and done. At the end of the day, the Patriots need to hope for a top three pick because here's the truth. If if a team passes them for number two, it's probably the Arizona Cardinals. Now, Cardinals have an interesting situation where Kyler Murray is owed a boatload of money. They could eat some of that money and trade him, or they could draft Marvin Harrison Jr. and give Kyler Murray one of the best weapons that we've seen in our generation in terms of like a college prospect. I, I don't think three would be the end of the world. The no. end of the world for the Patriots, or I think people would be pretty pissed off, is four or five. Because, guys, four or five is in the offensive lineman range. That is in the oh-no, the Patriots are going to draft a tackle again range. And don't get me wrong, the Patriots need a tackle. Yep. Both the Wenu and Trent Brown are free agents. So it, the selection would be warranted, but I could understand the anger coming from this fan base if that actually happens. Oh, yeah, the fan base is going to be furious if that happens. And so I, I think you're right on there, where they need a top three and to take a skill guy in one of those positions obviously quarterback is ideal because it looks like they have absolutely no path forward at quarterback um but i mean i i don't think anyone would shed a tear if they ended up with marvin harrison jr either but you're you're absolutely right like once you get outside of that top three things get a lot scarier i think the one interesting thing for us even looking at the draft would be a guy like Jaden daniels and how much does his draft stock rise the last few mock drafts we've seen from my Dane Bugler at The Athletic have him at number seven. Now, I guess theoretically, if the Patriots are at four or five, they could take the guy from LSU. He has a great last name. I'll give him that. But getting back to this game, Chris, I have a question for you. That is two corny last name jokes yeah. in one podcast. That's a lot. That's a lot. I have a question for you. I don't, what do you got? I don't, I don't want to trigger you here. Bailey Zappi and the offense were shut out. They look mm-hmm. really bad. Does this make Mac Jones look better? Uh, no. No, I, I mean, I think that as someone who's watched like every single practice this year, when we've been able to from training camp, like I think we've both said that Bailey's not the answer and that like he's not better than Mac Jones. Mac is just irreparably broken perhaps right now. So you turn to him and try and give your team a spark. But this roster that Bill Belichick put together is so bad that there's no spark to be had. This They can't be jump started and them getting shut out. I don't think it makes Mac look better, but I think it's like, uh, 
reality check that this offense is just terrible. You know, I, I think they'd be terrible with most quarterbacks in the league. And I, I can't quite say that it shows that Mac isn't the problem because I think it's very clear the Patriots don't have an elite quarterback and that is part of the problem. But I, but I think, you know, we talk about the blame pie. It goes really everywhere in this team. The mm-hmm. Patriots offensive line isn't good enough. Their weapons aren't good enough. I'd add, honestly, their tight ends haven't been good enough. Hunter Henry really hasn't yeah. showed up and Mike Gusecki has been invisible. I think if you were to Mike say like- Gusecki is kind of another one of those like flex seal decisions where he was just yeah. hanging around late in free agency and Bill was like, oh, one-year deal, we'll bring him in, even though it doesn't really fit what they do on offense here. And yeah. Mike Kosecki last year had 362 receiving yards down from 780 the year before. He went into this game with 182 receiving yards and I believe did not catch a pass today. So he's still at 182. If he got to 300, honestly, it would be a surprise, but it goes back to the decision-making. And I have to be honest, I, I want to ask you two girls about Post game with Bill Belichick, he gave me some attitude. He gave a he lot. Of sure people, did. He gave a lot of people some attitude. Bill was not happy with my questioning or a lot of people's questions when it comes to the Patriots. Now, sort of set the scene here, guys. Bill Belichick. It took him almost an hour to talk to us. Sort of. It was such a long time that I believe Mike Reese was on TV and even said something along the lines of like, "I hope he's okay." Hope everything, hope nothing's wrong, like medically with him. I was like, yeah, I've never, I don't remember a time where he's taking this long to really come out and talk to us. But then it starts, and he had, I would say, zero answers um for us about anything. So my question was, quote, with the offense, just how do you explain what's continuously gone wrong here for this group? Quote, just tried to do that. Sorry, that wasn't good enough. Chris, I have to be honest. I Apology not accepted. The answer, <laughs> the answer was not good enough. Um, Bill did not say anything why his offense has continuously gotten no. worse this season at no. all. He just essentially said the Patriots didn't do a good job with field position and they didn't play complimentary football. Uh, I, I got to be honest, the, the no answers from Bill, it's, it's starting to grind my gears. Yeah, it's definitely annoying. And to pull the curtain back a little, I was still in the locker room at this point waiting for JC Jackson, who I saw uh, went to take a shower um like right as we went in there and he just never came back out after not being in the locker room all week this week you know would have liked to talk to jc considering it was chargers week he had a bit of falling out there and just you know catch up with jc in general but uh he never came back into the locker room so i have no i I have nothing for you with that but bill bill belichick essentially guys talked for seven minutes um he said nothing Uh, you know what went into the decision to start bailey zappi over mac jones quote I thought he deserved it. Um, I And I thought this was, I don't want to say the most surprising, but the most telling for me, from Mike Reese, how surprised were you at the lack of production from the offense? Bill Belichick, quote, I don't know. I think right there is honestly the problem, because from what I understand, the Patriots did think that they had a better offensive team. They thought with Bill O'Brien, they'd be better. They thought that Juju Smith-Schuster and Mike Gusecki would give them an upgraded, you know, whatever, receiver in, in tight end room. So Bill's saying, I don't know, although he's being what, whatever you want to call it, a jerk to the media, which happens occasionally. Um, I, I'm not entirely sure that's that's an absolute lie, because I think with everything that's gone wrong, to kind of throw your hands up and say, I don't know, maybe maybe that's actually the truth. Yeah, it's a very good chance that he doesn't know. And it's also interesting moving forward here where I think we both agreed that a lack of continuity has hurt Mac Jones. It's hurt pretty much everyone on offense where they have three offensive coordinators in three years. And that's just like not the consistency you're looking for, but after this year, like, do you move on from Bill O'Brien with how bad this offense has been? And does that further complicate like a lack of continuity or 
What I, do you do? I actually think that's a great question. And I really like Bill O'Brien. Um, I wanted it to work out with him. But as I stated at the top of this pod, the Patriots have put up historically horrible numbers offensively, things we haven't seen in New England since the early 90s, things that haven't happened in the NFL since the 1930s. So, Chris, he's got to go. I'm sorry. I like Bill O'Brien, but the offense is so bad that in your two quarterbacks have gone backwards. I don't want to see him with a rookie quarterback. I think at the end of the day, the Patriots really have to determine what type of offense they have to run. And I think they need to get a younger offensive minded I'd say a younger, I'd say a younger OC, someone who's with the current college football landscape. I do have a wild thought out there. If the Patriots could somehow get Caleb Williams, maybe someone like Cliff Kingsbury, who has coached in college, who it does actually coach Caleb Williams now. That would be an interesting pairing to me. But I think the Patriots should just go sort of younger. And maybe you even move to the Shanahan system, especially if you have a new head coach in here. So I do not think that Bill O'Brien's performance warrants him coming back. It's kind of funny that do you remember when he signed here? Everyone was like, oh, well, is he going to actually like sneaky edge Mayo out to be the successor to Bill Belichick? And it's like, that's a hard no. All right. So we're going to have to have players of the game here, though. Oh, that's tough. I know. Can I go first? Uh, fine. I think the problem is me and Chris are going to have the same player. Uh, you, you can go first. Uh, I'm going to say Bryce Barringer. He had seven punts for 321 yards. He had a long of 70 yards. He had one poor punt, but you know what? He did Bryce, shank one. Bryce Barringer, to me, gets the golden uh, mass level award. Uh, I knew Chris was going to pick that. Yeah, first. test the punter. I will go with Devon Godshaw. I thought their run defense was actually very good in this game. I think he's the one who kind of sets the tone with that um, and really needed to without Dietrich Wise out there. Um I will go with Demon Gacha, and yes, the Chargers finished with 29 rushing yards and an average gain of 1.2 yards per carry. So, you know what? That's I feel good, good about that. That's Run good. defense was good. Solid. Yeah, solid. All right. Well, that's all we have for this episode. Thanks for following along, and we'll catch further on down the trail. This has been Ion Foxborough, brought to you by Mass Live. <laughs>